0: betterhelp.com slash save. Got it.
1: Hey everyone. Just wanted to pop in really quickly before the episode gets started to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor has been such a big help in creating this podcast and is really the reason that you're listening to this episode on the platform that you are, which is super cool. So if you want to learn more about Anchor, just head to anchor.fm or you can download the Anchor app on your phone. All right. Well, that is all. So let's just get into the episode. Hello and welcome back to Girl We Gotta Talk. Today I'm joined by Ashton Whitmer-Ober. She is a life coach, fellow podcast host, and author of Enneagram for Relationships. She knows everything you need to know in Enneagrams and I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I'm going to learn so much. I already know um, all about Enneagrams and the tests and my type and other people's types. And so, If you're interested in learning about um, all of that, keep listening because we're going to jump into it. But before we get into that, I just want to welcome you to the podcast and let you kind of introduce yourself.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. What type are you? We didn't even talk about it.
1: Yeah. I am a type seven. Okay. Um, but I don't know. And like, I follow you and stuff and you always are like, tests aren't always like the most accurate. Yeah. So I like, I'm a type seven and I do air quotes because sometimes I feel like maybe I'm not, but for the <laughs> most part, I feel like it is pretty accurate. Yeah. The Enneagram
2: can be complicated sometimes because and I'm sure we'll get you we'll get into this but um because it's about the motivations and not necessarily our behaviors so it can be complicated. But hey everyone, I'm sure we'll get to that. My name's Ashton. I'm Enneagram Ashton on Instagram and yeah, I wrote a book that came out in March called The Enneagram for Relationships and that was I'm a wild time to release a book in the middle of, well, I guess we are still in the middle of a pandemic, I don't know, Um, but really at the beginning of it, and so, yeah, I coach people in the Enneagram and how to become the best versions of themselves, and I have a podcast called Say Anything with my sister, and I mostly just hang out on Instagram with
1: all my friends. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's such great content like she has all these like cool graphics about your enneagram type and um, she's just like so relatable and follow her um, if you're interested because it's good content always so um, that's awesome though with the book um, I know you're like in the middle of it I guess we start still are in the middle of the pandemic which is um, um, But it that was, right was right when we
2: at the were time that everything was shutting down and like all the schools were closing, and it was, like, right at the beginning where I was, like, oh, this is the thing. That's Yeah.
1: (laughs) We love the timing on that, but congratulations. That's awesome. So we can kind of get into, like, I think we should probably start off with, like, what is an Enneagram and what is an Enneagram test and just a background on Enneagrams. (laughs)
2: So the Enneagram, Enneagram actually equals, Ennea equals nine and gram means like what is written or drawn and it's Greek. Um, And so if you are not familiar with the Enneagram, you should probably know that it is a symbol. And so there are nine different types that make up this symbol. Um, You can just Google the Enneagram and the symbol will pop up, Um, but it's a circular picture that has nine different types with lines connecting it and so essentially it's a typing system where each of us fall into one of the nine types and it's not just saying that there are only nine types of people in the world obviously that's not the case but that we fall within this one type. The difference between the Enneagram and some of the other personality tests like Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or the DISC assessment is that it doesn't just tell you who you are and then leaves you like kind of, you know, ruminating over that information. The Enneagram explains the motivations behind why you do do what you do, meaning we could all do the same behaviors. Like you and I could both be like really outgoing and personable people, but the motivation for why we're doing that is different and that's what makes up the Enneagram.
1: So, um... As far as like finding out your type, there is an Enneagram test um, that you can take that is like super lengthy and it's a little repetitive so that it can kind of get like the most accurate um, result, I guess. Um, do you, because I, like I said earlier today, like you don't always recommend taking the test and basing off your type um, from the test. Is there like other ways that you can kind of figure that out?
2: Yeah. So I have a feeling about tests, a specific feeling, just because no matter what we try to do, or even if we think that we're not doing it, um, most of the time we answer questions in ways that we want other people to perceive us. Sure. And so, you know, tests can be hard because They aren't asking like clarifying questions either and sometimes they're making you decide between two answers and maybe like neither of those answers align with what you're thinking or feeling so i always recommend looking at the core motivations and the fears of each type like the desires and the fears and just see what resonates with you and and maybe like you know i do typing interviews where i interview people and then i ask like follow-up questions because And at least I'm not like a, just a computer generated test, right? Like I'm using the concepts that I have learned and studied and then helping you figure out your Enneagram type. But tests are a great place to start. Like they can provide a lot of knowledge, but I just wouldn't end there. Like if it says that you are a specific type, then I would research it and challenge it and make sure that that fits with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I took, and I I know there's like a few websites that you could go to, so I couldn't even tell you which one I used. but, um, when I took the test, it said that I was a type seven and then it gave me kind of like my, what are they? I don't know if it's a wing, but like, it's like 90% type seven, like 30% type three, like whatever it was. So it had like other types that I could also kind of relate to with like based off the questions I answered. Um, but what, is that a wing or like, cause I know there are like wings off of your type.
2: So your wings are on either side of your main type. So it doesn't matter how, what you scored on those numbers. There's, there's okay. still your wings. So for example, if you are a seven, then your wing could either be a six or an eight, some common misconceptions is that you like only have one wing and the reality is is that you can access your wings at different points in your life so right now you might feel like you have more of an eight wing but a few years from now due to like life circumstances or whatever you might feel like you have a six wing and so it can fluctuate unlike your main enneagram type but then each type also has places that it goes in stress and in growth so for sevens for example when sevens are doing really well and really healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of a five. And then when they're in stress, they'll take on the not so great qualities of a one. Okay. And so just when I tell people, like, it's not just about your Enneagram type. You have to think about the types on either side of you and the types that you're connected to and learn about those as well because you access the, them at different points.
1: Okay. So kind of going off of that um, and not getting like too zoned in on like your type number and your type, um, how do you, what do you recommend for people that say they take the test, they see they're a type two, type three, whatever, and they kind of put themselves in that box and they're like, well, that's who I am, like done. (laughs) What would you say to people that would do that? Because I feel like that's not the point of an enneagram.
2: Right. I always say um, that the point of the Enneagram is not to put you in a box. It's to show you how to get out of it because not only, you know, once you're able to identify those traits that might not sit very well with you or like, you know, give you that sick feeling in your stomach, like, Oh yeah, I do kind of do that. Then you're able to identify the reason why you're doing that by using the tool of it, of the Enneagram. And then you can get yourself out of that box and take on some other characteristics of other types and you're not fully identifying yourself solely with just your type. Those people who put themselves in the type of their Enneagram or in the box of their Enneagram are the ones who like use it as an excuse right well like right. oh you know
1: I'm an Enneagram too you know or I'm an
2: Enneagram 8 so I responded that
1: way Yeah, because I know, so a type seven, which is what I am supposedly, um, (laughs) is somebody that like blocks out pain and just like keeps moving, like not affected, not going to let it affect me. I'm very happy right now. (laughs) Like, I feel like that is pretty accurate. And so knowing that I'm trying to like, not like let the pain like destroy me, but like accept the pain, deal with the pain move on from the pain, grow from the pain, not like block it out, like my Enneagram type says. So I feel like that's a good example of like not letting it, you know, define you.
2: Because part of letting it define you is being okay with it, right. right? Like a lot of people might be comfortable or okay with that and, and letting it define them in that way. But part of, like, the growth work and the development, the self-development and personal development of the Enneagram is being able to say, like, okay, I don't like that about myself. How do I change that?
1: Right. Yeah, I think it's all about growth, like, doing your research, seeing what qualities you do. It's kind of, like, it's kind of funny. It's kind of, like, looking in a mirror and, like... Basically, just seeing, not your not your flaws, but just seeing you for who you are in a, in a way. The honesty is just like, it's there. It tells you your flaws. It tells you what you're not great at, what you could work on. And then I feel like you just go from there and you look at everything around you. Yeah, definitely. So I kind of want to go into what types do when they're under stress, their fears, and all of that, and kind of maybe explaining that sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: So do you like want me to go through all nine?
1: Um, that's up to you. Is that a lot? Is that a lot.
2: I can I can do it. I can. It's obviously like a ton of information, but um, I will condense it, and then okay. if people want to hear more, then they can reach out or whatever. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, so ones ones are the reformer, and their biggest desire they want to be seen as good or ethical or right. So ones are really concerned about, like, black and white, right versus wrong, and things like that. Their biggest fear, then, is not being seen as good or, like, being wrong or not being seen as, as ethical. When they're stressed, they will take on the um, unhealthy qualities of a four. And then when they're in a really healthy spot, they'll take on the healthy qualities of a seven. So being able to, like, let some of that... Um, control, go, and, like, be more free-spirited and outgoing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So then twos, twos are the helper. I'm a two. And twos, their biggest desire is to be wanted and loved. And then, of course, on the flip side of that, their biggest fear is to be unloved and unwanted. And so they do what they do in order to ensure that they feel that love and want from other people. When they are really healthy, they will take on the uh, positive qualities of a four. And then when they are stressed, they will take on the negative qualities of an eight. So feeling kind of like out of control and needing to regain that control. Okay. Threes. Threes are the achiever. And their biggest desire is to, you know, be seen as efficient and to be successful and things like that, they fear failure most of all. So they um, really fear that not just failure, but they're so in tune with appearances that like pe- other people will see them fail. And so they desire to like be the best that they can be. When they're stressed, threes will take on the unhealthy characteristics of a nine and become like unmotivated and a little bit um, sluggish. And then when they're healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of a six. Okay. The four is the individualist. And their biggest desire is to be seen as unique or significant, true to themselves. Like, authenticity is huge for them. And then on the flip side of that, their biggest fear is to be seen as, like, inadequate or, like, the black sheep. You know, like, something's wrong with them that they... Um, are defective, things like that. When they are healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of a one and become like really structured and organized. And then when they're stressed, they can take on the unhealthy qualities of a two, which is becoming a little bit more needy and um, manipulative and things like that. Fives, fives are the investigator, Five's biggest fear or sorry their biggest desire is to be seen as competent and capable and knowledgeable so I typically call them like the walking google search engine because they just want to like gain knowledge as fast and as much as possible Mm -hmm. and then their biggest fear is to be seen as incapable or not to be seen as knowledgeable they're also very um, in tune with boundaries and so they fear like having their personal, like, space invaded on and things like that. When they're stressed, they will become scattered like a seven, so taking on those unhealthy qualities of a seven. And when they're healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of an eight. So asserting themselves more, putting themselves out there more. Sixes are the loyalist. Their biggest desire is to have support guidance and security so they look to other people to um, gain that security and then their biggest fear is typically fear itself but also then not having that support guidance and security and so sixes are always um, thinking about about what that would look like and making sure that they feel safe in whatever they do sixes when they're healthy they'll take on the positive qualities of a nine so really being like that peacemaker and um, You know, seeing all sides of a situation. And then when they're stressed, they will take on the unhealthy qualities of a three and kind of um, become like overly competitive and wanting to be the best. Sevens, now on to you. (laughs) Sevens are the enthusiasts. They're the most outgoing type on the Enneagram. Their biggest um, desire is to have fun. Like they do want to have fun, but. More than that, they want to be content. And so that's why they're constantly seeking new adventures, new experiences, because they just are constantly seeking that contentment. And then their biggest fear, besides FOMO, they definitely have a lot of FOMO, but like you said before, is being trapped in that emotional pain. And so they do the things that they do to kind of like bury the emotional pain and not have to deal with the negativity. Because as you know, sevens love to be positive and optimistic and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like I said before, sevens when they're healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of a um five. And then sevens when they're stressed will become like more orderly and um, the need for control like a one.
1: Yeah, I would I would say so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Eights, eights
1: are the challenger,
2: and so um, their biggest desire is to protect themselves and others, so they're huge protectors of like the underdog and things like that, and then their biggest fear is that they'll be seen as weak, powerless, or controlled, and so they do what they do to make sure that people don't see them as weak individuals. Eights, when they are stressed, will go to the not-so-great side of a five, And then eights, when they're really healthy, will take on the positive qualities of a two, which is being, like, really helpful and protecting people in, like, a positive way. Okay. And then last but not least, nine is the peacemaker. And so their biggest desire is to have internal stability and peace of mind. And that's because their biggest fear is conflict. And so not saying that other types, you know, like, love conflict – They're like, I'm a two and I don't like conflict, but it really just for nines like makes up their motivation for why they do things on a daily basis. Um, And so nines, when they are stressed, they'll take on the unhealthy qualities of a six, become more worried and anxious, things like that. And then when they're healthy, they'll take on the positive qualities of a three, become more motivated and wanting to achieve things.
1: Uh, it's so interesting to me (laughs) thank you for doing all that yeah I that's the thing like I sometimes I feel like I do get FOMO going back to the my type um but other times I do feel content and maybe it's because it's quarantine but (laughs) because I know that not many people are like doing things either so maybe that's why I'm saying that but yeah for the most part my uh, desires and fears are definitely uh, very accurate So, I feel like it's really important that people figure out what Enneagram they are because, okay, this might be a weird comparison, but I was thinking about this the other day where I, so I'm a Scorpio. This might be so left field, but I'm a Scorpio and I feel like I don't relate to like all of the, because you know how there are like astrology Instagrams or something, they'll post like Scorpios are so mean and aggressive and, they're like they'll tell it to your face I'm like I probably won't like I'm very much not a stereotypical Scorpio and it's just because of my birthday and so sometimes I'm like weird about astrology because I'm like is it that accurate like I'm not like I'm supposed to be apparently but with this I feel like that's pretty accurate that was on point that's you know my insecurity that's how I act so I feel like it's so important for people to to figure this out and and Um, I was talking to someone that is super, I have a lot of friends that are super into this and I have a lot of listeners that are super into this. And so I was talking to someone the other day, she was saying like how at her new job, they all took their tests and they they all showed each other their types so that they can all figure out like how they all work, um, what they're not that great at, what they, you know, like to hide or whatever, so that they can like understand everybody in the workplace. And I was like, that is genius. Do you hear of that happening or do you recommend like jobs and workplaces to do that?
2: Absolutely. It's actually one of my most popular like requested things. Really? Um, for like a team building activity, you know, and it's so fun because once you know everybody's type, then you know you kind of like understand them better, you know, and like know what makes them tick or what motivates them to do that annoying thing that like you hate, you know, and so yeah. I'm not saying you're gonna be okay with that thing, but you'll be able to understand it more, yeah, so I definitely recommend it for teams or things like that. I do a lot of um like groups of people, so like sororities or athletic teams, you know things like that where you have to learn how to interact with each other and, and by learning, you know, how the types interact, it's just really can be like impactful.
1: Yeah. I feel like, um, we should all get to a point where we're like, Hey, I'm Elena. Like, what type are you? you know yeah. I
2: mean? Because like wearing the sticker name tag, <laughs> like, I'm a type two or I'm a type three.
1: Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, okay, now I already know her, you know, now I understand her already without having to like, um, really dive deep I feel like that's such a good like icebreaker like okay I got it figured yeah. out that's cool
2: people are starting to ask it in like job interviews and stuff like that because you know simply saying like I'm a two they'll know like okay she needs like a little bit more validation or like she's going to be really helpful and like willing to do anything that we ask of her
1: yeah versus, like
2: you know someone who is an aide and be like okay sh- she might challenge authority a little bit like she might you know, like push us to be a better company and things like that. So it's really can be such a great tool for things like that.
1: So interesting. I would love for that to like start becoming more. I mean, that's cool that you say that's even happening now. Like that's cool. Um, as far as relationships go, um, I, (laughs) I made my boyfriend take a test Mm -hmm. and figured out he is a type three. Um, so I think that's the like achiever doesn't like to fail, Wants yeah. To, yeah. Which is very much my boyfriend. Um, so I find that interesting too, because then I can kind of see like, you know, what his insecurities are and how like a type seven would work with a type three, not, not be not compatible, but like how I can help him and how he can help me. Mm-hmm. So what can you say about like knowing your Enneagram in, in relationships?
2: so I think it's so funny that your boyfriend is a three because when I was like going through all the types like your face changed when okay. I started talking about a three and I was like maybe she thinks she's like a three I don't know but you I think you were just like intently listening to well, like what i was going to say about a three
1: I will say I think I can pull it up but I, I think that like it was that was my next type was okay. a three so it's like a little bit for me but more so for him yeah <laughs>
2: The reason sevens are can be very similar because they're typically like both optimists and like can be charismatic and outgoing and things like that. Again, it's just the motivation that's different. But specifically for like romantic relationships, it can be really helpful to know your partner's Enneagram type because again, you start to understand like why they're doing certain things or like you know that you're boyfriend cares about success. And so you'll understand why he's like working late or, you know, like having a hard time working from home because during the pandemic because, you know, they typically value that workspace and things like that. Um, And then, you know, vice versa, they can understand you and what makes you tick and things like that. So it can be really beneficial for that. A popular question that always creeps into my DMs is like, what type is best for me as a two or like what is most compatible with a nine and obviously my answer is always there is no like magic type combination for you that as long as like both of you are you know creeping towards the healthy side or like at least working towards being the healthiest versions of your type, then you absolutely have a chance to have a successful relationship. It's those who are like unhealthy or like not really wanting to admit some of those like not so great qualities that typically will struggle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing, like it's not not for compatibility. It's more so for like success of the relationship.
2: Yeah, and understanding. And that's really what relationships like are about is being able to understand each other and know each other on a deeper level. And just knowing each other's Enneagram type can help to do that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I looked up what that test was and I'm actually the, the, I don't know how to say it, like the runner up type or whatever is type two, not type three. Yeah. So,
2: I mean, that's definitely also common because like I said before, twos and sevens are typically outgoing. Yeah. And like relationship focused and love their friends and family. It, again, it's just like a different motivation. Yeah. It's like a great example of how, um, you know, we can all be doing the same thing or all have this, a similar behavior, but it's the motivation behind us that makes it different.
1: Right. Um, so I want to kind of talk about misconceptions of Enneagrams, which we've kind of touched on a little bit, but what do you think is the biggest misconception?
2: I think like not using it as a tool. I don't know if like that is considered a misconception, but I think people, you know, will take a test and they'll figure out their type and they're like, okay, I'm a seven. And then they just kind of like move on with their lives. Like that's not, the point of the Enneagram like it's supposed to challenge you it's supposed to like make you become a better version of yourself and you're not just supposed to like learn it's just like okay cool I'm a Libra and then that's like it you know yeah whereas like for the Enneagram it's important to like continue learning and read the books and learn about you and then learn about others you know and just continuing to um, take in that information I think a lot of times people think You know, I always say, like, the Enneagram is not a comfy, cozy thing. Like, it's not this warm thing that's going to tell you all these amazing characteristics about yourself. Like, sure, that's part of it. But a lot of times, the, like, gut-wrenching things that we hear are the not-so-great qualities of our Enneagram type. (laughs) And so, you know, like, you have to do something with that knowledge instead of just, like, oh, well, (laughs) I guess I can be needy at times, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was saying like it is like looking in the mirror or it's almost like somebody you know is like telling you what you didn't want to hear or what right. you needed to hear. And it's like the things that we've avoided about ourselves is what the enneagram tells you. <laughs> and Literally. it's what you need to know about yourself because then that's I feel like it's the only way that you can grow as a person and grow in your friendships, your relationships, all of that. So, yeah. Um are there like, what are the resources you think, um, other than reading your book, I guess everybody can go buy your book. <laughs> um, yeah. What are some resources that you would recommend about like researching kind of more about your Enneagram?
2: Yeah, so there are a ton of books out there. Um, I, I started personally with like The Road Back to You, but I also refer to the enneagraminstitute.com more than anywhere else because it is like the home of the ready which is the riso hudson enneagram testing instrument (laughs) r-h-c-i yeah it's a mouthful um but if if people are going to take a test it's 12 dollars. like i recommend that one um so i i definitely refer to that website a lot but there are so many different books that are out right now um my colleague stephanie hall wrote one called the Enneagram in love. And so that's a really good one. The Honest Enneagram, which was written by um, Sarah Jane Case, who's my good friend. And she has Enneagram and Coffee on Instagram. So that's a good like overview of the Enneagram. And then of course, you know, like mine. Have to yeah, be, like, tell,
1: us about, tell us about your book.
2: <laughs> my book, The Enneagram for Relationships, which really covers um, four different types of relationships. So romantic, in work, Uh, family members and then friendships and how each type responds in those situations so um, yeah I think you know there there are just so many books that came out like in the 80s when the Enneagram started becoming popular in the United States and then um, there was kind of a lull and then the past couple years more books have resurfaced and it's been really cool to see like the new information come out.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's definitely um, been helpful with like social media because everyone is able to like share their type and then people are like, well, what is that? What does that chart mean? And they go to it. And so I feel like at least lately, it's definitely been blowing up and getting more popular, which I think is great. Awesome. So I think we've pretty much touched on everything. Is is there any, you know, like last thoughts or anything that you want to like promote for you or share before we head out?
2: No, I think you can visit my website at EnneagramAshton.com. My book's on there. You can see the different services I have to offer. But most of all, follow me on Enneagram Ashton on Instagram and come hang out with us because it's a good time.
1: Yeah, she's got great content, so give her a follow. I'll link everything um, in the description of this episode, but that was really fun. Thank you for um, coming on here and chatting with me. I already learned so much and... I'm going to research more about type three so that I can better that relationship. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. So be sure to follow her on Instagram, buy her book, um, and just learn more about your Enneagram type because I think it's super important, but thank you guys so much for listening. Bye.